You're listening to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. You've read the stories of the drivers and others involved in the sport that we all love. Now hear their stories firsthand via our all-new podcast to find out how their passion for motorsports has made life worth living. <laughs> you know, it's a uh, it seems it seems like it's a running thing now that uh, it, every time we get around this this time of year, we're talking about Tom Brady in the freaking Super Bowl. <laughs> Why well, didn't go last year? Well, and even though, yeah, I was gonna say, and, and and even though I gave you a bunch of grief over being a Tampa Bay or uh, being a New England fan, uh, here he is taking Tampa Bay to the Super Bowl. Yep, and I got a Tampa Bay shirt for Christmas. Oh dear God, was it was it a was it a Tom Brady jersey? No, it was just a Tampa Bay oh. long sleeve uh, T-shirt that my mom got me. It's got the you know Tampa Bay pirate flag on the front and has Tampa Bay down the arm. It says Tampa I Bay down the arm. I love Bucking, it. No, it says yeah, it says Tampa Bay Buccaneers down the arm. So are you? Buccaneers on those. So are you gonna? Um, I take it pull to tamp for to have tampa bay win oh, and duh. obviously obviously you know we're, we're here on behind the wheel racingjunk.com <laughs> and it, it's it's been a while happy new year happy new year Louis. happy new year to you yeah. it has been forever. <laughs> here in february um i, I just <laughs> I, I hate i hate to be the bearer of bad news Tampa Bay's not going to win. Now, now look, okay, we, we, we are recording this before the actual Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. you, you know, which it's is this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, which is exciting. Um, <clears throat> so this will air after, after the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, after the Super Bowl. So I want everybody out there to know that right now I'm calling it. Uh, Tom Brady's going to throw like three interceptions. Gronkowski's mm -hmm. going to do exactly what he does, which is stand there with his mouth open and drool a lot. And <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win whatever i'm calling it too <laughs> yeah tom threw three three picks in the championship nfc game yes i know he uh -huh. was trying to be aaron Rodgers and throw the ball down the field it was driving me nuts we were doing great in the first half i don't know the second half aaron Rodgers got in his head or something but yeah the three picks i even me and my husband were cussing at the tv and cussing him out my husband's like i said throw to the right not to the left what are you doing and i'm like he can't hear you <laughs> Oh, I love it. Let me tell you, it's, um, it is a new year and we are back with, uh, behind the wheel on racingjunk.com. And, uh, you know, we have let some time pass, uh, mm -hmm. with the 2021 racing season, still being a bit of a whirlwind. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but I think we're kind of kicking things off in a very special way, uh, along with the rest of the racing world. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah. This year just feels a lot different. I mean, I, yeah, it feels different because of COVID, but it also just feels different because, we're, t we're talking about taking this podcast in a whole new direction. Stay tuned for details on that. And the and we're kind of starting with a really fantastic guest who I'm really excited about. The first female automotive and motorsport, motorsports executive. I mean, you know, technically, maybe not technically, if you really want to get technical, the first female, but mm -hmm. the first one in a sense where she didn't have to hide right so, right right and she's yeah also one of the first female indycar C series team owners so i'm so excited to, to invite beth Ferretta to the podcast yes i'm, I'm so really excited, excited. yeah I'm, I'm really excited <laughs> to talk to beth because of because of her background um i mean you know you know how big of a fan i am of aston martin oh yeah um and she she worked for aston martin um oh, i'm also a fan of the viper <laughs> 
she she worked on the design of the viper i mean you know this is this is a big get I, you know i i don't know how you're able to pull this one off lily uh you know the, thank the good lord because honestly i didn't even know if she would message me back and i was just like <laughs> please come on because when i saw that she was going to run that you know that she has a team that's going to run the indy 500 with a female driver right i was like oh, come on the podcast because i'm all about woman power this year chris Yes, I know I've been like that in the past, but this year it might be get get kicked in the high gear. Y'all might be like getting them. Y'all might be getting on me because I'll probably get a lot of females this year. <laughs> well, no. Well, I mean, you know what? Like, I, I think oh, that's. Men, damn it. <laughs> I, I think that's indicative of 2021, though, because I mean, think about yeah. it. Hey, you know, Haley Deegan kicking off over in the truck series. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Beth with um, Simone doing mm -hmm. the. Uh, Indy 500. Uh, I mean, you know, ladies are beginning to come to the forefront here mm -hmm. in in motorsports. Which, when when you mentioned that Beth was the first female Indy Car Series team owner uh, that didn't have mm -hmm. to hide, and was also one of the first uh, motorsports executives as a as a female, I looked and I was like, mm -hmm. oh, how? It's it's 21. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's amazing that you know. It's not amazing for the times we're in because that's where we're heading, but it's amazing that she was able to rise up through the ranks before the times we're having now. Right. And nobody stopped her because to be honest, most females I know that have tried to break the glass ceiling in motorsports, it has not been easy. In fact, I mean, yes, driver wise, not as hard, especially with the money racket that a lot of this, you know, with money, you, you don't matter who you are, but right. <laughs> you know especially nowadays but you know with racing anywhere else inside the sport you know when you're talking about the business side of it it's not easy if you're a female to get inside because honestly i've i've ran into a lot of do you really think you know what you're doing right right you know? well, i mean beth absolutely does because she's loaded oh, yeah. down with with accolades magazines or you know just throwing things at her she's got a tremendous background um yeah so I'm, I'm really excited about talking to her. So I'll tell you what, let's, let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, pay the bills, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, when we come back, we will be talking with Beth Peretta here on Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. Hang on. Attention racers, race fans, and gearheads. If you're looking to buy, sell, or trade the stuff that stokes your engine, then check out RacingJunk.com. RacingJunk.com is the world's number one online racing and performance classifieds where you'll find what you need to rock your ride. Check us out at RacingJunk.com. Racing and performance classifieds built to go fast. Welcome back to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. All right, little E. Um, let me tell you what, once again, you have gone above and beyond the call and, and landed uh, just a ginormous get for, for this shoddy little podcast. Um, <laughs> we, are honored, <laughs> we are honored to have joining us. Uh, you heard us talking about her at the beginning, Beth Peretta with Peretta Autosports and just a tremendous background. You know the name if you know racing. Beth, welcome to Behind the Wheel. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's an honor. It's an absolute honor. Now, uh, we were talking a little bit before we began, and how's everything in the beautiful city of Detroit right now? Detroit's lovely. Uh, I guess we got some snow coming, but it's uh, it's winter. It's fine. I'm a New Englander, so the cold, I remember when I first moved here, I was like, oh my gosh, wait till you see the winters. I'm like, I lived in northern Vermont. I think I've got this. Oh. Sure enough, it's fine. <laughs> see, and, and next week I'm in Minneapolis where the high is negative one. 
I will say this with all <laughs> due to the Minneapolis, uh-huh. is that what they're called? Mi- mi- Minneapolis, um, Minneapolis, Minneapolis. Um, very small people. Um, <laughs> I have never been so cold as two years ago. I was at a supercross race in Minneapolis. I was at the Mercedes Benz Center, lovely venue. I was walking from there to my hotel because uh, I've been working for a French racing fuel company on top of everything else. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> we, right. And so uh, we're the official fuel of uh, K- KTM and Husqvarna. Uh, and now gas gas uh, motocross supercross teams so it was at the motocross the supercross event in january january or early february it was like yeah oh. it was like a, literally a year ago february in minneapolis it was that kind of cold where like your eyes just tear up and as the t- as the water comes down your cheeks and it freezes and burns i was like how do people live here you're not so helping seriously me. those are those are hardy folk well and, and you know i call it tiny pepsi do you know why i call it tiny pepsi no Minnesota. I see. It. Minnesota. Ha ha. I see it. Chris has Get to it. call these Hey, all. <laughs> be sure to tip the wait staff. Here all week. Hey, all. That's right. So, Beth, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career in the automotive and motorsports world because you have really run the gamut from stem to stern. I mean, sure, I guess so. It's so funny when it, it's one of those things, and maybe it's just like the way my personality is. Like, it doesn't occur to me of the stuff I've done or where I've been until like somebody else says it. Like, that's yeah, a, a lot of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I guess it is. Right. Um, because when you're in the middle of it, you're just you're just getting it done, right? So you don't think of it as. Uh, in fact, I even when I was at FCA, um, which we'll get to, but um, here, you know, running like the business of a performance brand in racing, it wasn't until somebody pointed out to me, like, you know, that you're the first woman to have that kind of role globally. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, and it was just that moment of, because again, you just, you're just busy doing your job. You don't really think of it as, as different or whatever. You just kind of, you know, I've got stuff to do. I've got meetings to go to. And right. Right. Things to do. But yeah, I started, I've been a car fanatic my whole life. I mean, this is genuine in, you know, I, would say that anyone who's known me know, like is not really surprised by where I am now um, only because I was that kid who had posters of cars on my wall, you know, genuinely did mm. uh, people can vouch. Um, and I didn't necessarily think that I would work in automotive, which is a funny thing. And that's why I'm so passionate now to tie uh the idea of you know what is we all ask the question what do you want to be when you grow up and the idea of kind of lighting the the story and the path to like to how you get to certain careers but what that person does for a living so even whether you're the host of a radio show or you are you know a general contractor building homes what does that actually mean and we see things and kids see things but i think most adults don't know what other adults do you know what do those jobs entail and so talking more about that i think would be helpful for everybody because there's a lot of hidden genius around and in fairness i probably should have been a mechanical engineer and and all that and i didn't go that path because it wasn't um something that i was exposed to i grew up in connecticut i'm from new england and after high school and in, in college, I kind of fell into the uh, the alpine skiing business because that was a passion and I oh, worked wow. in a ski shop. And then I kind of parlayed that and kind of went, you know, climbed up that ladder and then went to graduate school because I decided, all right, I want to get a formal education in business because my undergraduate wasn't. So I get a business degree and knew that, all right, I wasn't going to stay in 
the ski business because it was weather dependent. And right. right. There's so many variables in every business. It's like, oh, depending on a lot of snow is a tough way to make a living. And, and again, fair play to everybody who's in. Shout out to all my ski, my ski brethren, because that's a grind, you know, because you can have a great winter and then you can have a terrible winter and you don't do anything different as a business owner. And you are, you know, yeah, it's completely a, it's a, out of your control, completely out of control. Yeah. So anyway, I thought, all right, I got to make a pivot. And I thought, okay, automotive, because I've always been passionate about cars, reading car magazines, watching racing, but where do I fit? So I actually, I moved back home, like most people do after grad school, boomerang, right? back to my parents uh, to save money. And I took a job at a car dealership and because I wanted to learn how it worked, because I thought if you could apply like smart business principles to a car dealership, like maybe I can be successful at that, but I don't right. know anything about it. I don't come from that kind of business. And so I took a job selling cars. And when I walked in for the interview and in fairness, they'll kind of hire every, anyone to <laughs> right, sell right. cars. Yes. Retail sales is a revolving door. Absolutely. Revolving yeah. door. Yeah. But I sat down with the general manager of the dealership for the interview. And I said, I want to learn about this business. Right. So if it's okay, um, I'd like to come in on my day off, which is because you have like a day off in the middle of the week. Mm -hmm. I think my day off was Thursday. I was like, I want to come in on my day off. And can I like, can I sit in the parts department? And can I sit with a service manager? And can I sit with a service writer? Like, I just want to see what they do. And of course he looked at me like I was crazy because I was right. And it was like, a, it was like postgraduate work. I, I was like a Guinea pig and I wanted to like, you know, I wanted to learn about it and, um, started reading automotive news subscribed to that started reading that week in and week out and uh from there went to, started at one dealership went to another one a year later that was more um high luxury more of a luxury segment because right. that, that was like a better fit to, I, I wanted to learn that side of the business too and it was similar to like my ski customers mm -hmm. so i went so i actually switched to an audi dealership um, Audi Porsche store. And I was there for gosh, not even a half a year when I met somebody that worked for Audi corporate. And, um, he mentioned, he's like, yeah, I'm just finishing up my MBA. I was like, Oh, good for you. I said, I, I got mine a couple of years ago. And he looked at me and he's like, wait, what? <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, come, I want to learn the business and, you know, maybe work for a car company. And he's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I don't, what, what, I don't, I don't know what I, where I would fit. He said, give me your resume. And so, you know, emailed in my resume and wow. I had an interview like a week later and I wound up getting a job in finance. Oh, right on. Okay. For Volkswagen group. And, and it was funny because I remember that interview that's like, they were, they're going to take a chance on me. And they did because right. I just came out of a dealership. Yeah. They don't a know. On me. Yeah. And I have, I have a lot of, of those moments in my life where someone's going to take a chance on me. I'm the risky candidate. But um, a risky candidate with an MBA, a drive and a personality, that's, that, right. that's about as low risk as you can get. That's like saying, I think I'm going to invest in real estate. Oh, right. okay. Right. You know what I'm going to buy? Apple stock. Uh, yeah. Right? 20 <laughs> yeah. years ago. Right. Yeah. Not GameStop. But, We're going to go Apple. Right. Right. So it, it worked out. It worked out well. And so I did that for uh, goodness. I did that for like three years, a little bit more than that. But what was fantastic is, so here's the, here's why I stick out like a sort thumb there. I actually care about cars and I care about the car business. And because I'm reading automotive news, uh, yes, I'm working for Volkswagen groups. So I'm, I'm visiting Volkswagen dealers, Audi dealers, Bentley dealers, Lamborghini dealers. Great. Right. But as I'm sitting there with that, that dealer principal, I could talk to him also about his Honda business and his Chevy business, just because I'm reading it. I, I'm up on it because I am interested in it. So it's like anything you can, if you're, I firmly believe that if you're interested and have you know the right attitude the actual skills can be taught 
Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, so yeah absolutely. So I could sit there and talk to a dealer and like, you know, just kind of shoot the breeze. Like before we get to like the stuff I'm here about today. Yeah. Tell me how's, how's your Honda business going and what's going on with show. Oh, I see you're building a new Chevy dealership down the street. How's that going? You know, and, it, right. and immediately, you know, you, you kind of had street cred. I also had street cred because I'd sold cars. Right. Because I'd worked at a, on a floor of a dealership. Yep. You had most respect. Of the people yep. in that. Yeah. Most of the people in that role have come right out of college. Um, so I did that. And then from there at a, an industry function, I met the vice president of Aston Martin. Oh, oh, you're so, I'm so jealous over this. You do have to drive cars, whether it be engineering or otherwise. Right. Um, as you can imagine, because especially if you're in this kind of, in that type of category of car. So Aston Martin, I joined just as it was uh, being sold off from Ford. So mm -hmm. I was actually the first employee of the new company. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. In 2007. Um, it, it, meaning technically, I mean, everybody was just being transitioned, but I was mm -hmm. like the first new hire. And in fact, I was hired just as it was going on. There was a bit of a freeze. So I actually, I had to kind of cool my heels for maybe like a month or two before I actually could officially join. But with that said, um, because of the tie up with Ford, they had, they used a lot of the resources that Ford had. So we would use their proving grounds and we would do like training for employees or they do when you bought a vanquish, I think you actually got a day at the track. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure they still do it for the highest end vehicles. And at the time, so there's we, there was one in Belgium, one in the UK, and the one in the US is actually in Detroit. I lived in Boston area at the time, but it's it's the Ford Proving Ground in Romeo, Michigan. Oh wow! And if you've ever been to a Proving Ground, you know like there's there's different sections of it. There's they so they have the miles straight, they have the bowl, they have the road course and hill course, as you learn different skills or test different things in a vehicle. And so the fastest I've ever driven a vehicle was a Vanquish S Ooh. on the mile straight at the Ford Proving Crowns in Romulus, Michigan. And I think I hit either, I think I hit 186. Oh my God. It's like the number that always sticks in my mind. And it's so funny because you're in a mile straight and there's somebody sitting right seat. And so, and, and the purpose was to go as like, that was kind of the purpose. Right? Yeah, so, like, absolutely. Was, well, yeah, you like, have he's, to like telling me to do this. Yeah. And it was that moment of like drawing the two, obviously two hands on the wheel, looking straight ahead. And I remember like hitting the top speed that, because uh, the, then you get to like where the cones are, where then you have to decelerate. So like, you're basically going as fast as you can until you get to these cones. Cause it's just math at that point. Oh, I love it. So the instructor's like saying like, okay, now decelerate. So like, you're just like letting your foot off and then, and you know, and then you're like, you know, hitting the brakes. But in fairness, he's like, you know, did you see how fast? Like, oh God, no, I didn't look at anything. Like, look, Jeff, looking <laughs> yeah. straight ahead. Plus, it's a split right? like, second. Right knuckling it. Yeah, it's a split second too. Oh, it's awesome. He could have told me it was forty-seven miles an hour. I would have believed it. But yeah, no, it was one hundred and eighty-six. But wow. it's in a Vanquish S. I was already jealous. Now I'm even more jealous. Right. So I was at. I was actually out. So this is the funny thing. I, I was. I was out at Pebble Beach. Oh, come and on. And I'm at the Concours, and I wind up meeting through sort of mutual friends. I meet the the, vice, the then vice president, the U.S. He's like the head of the U.S. Um, division for Aston Martin, and just kind of having small talk. But again, because I've been reading all these, you know, automotive news, and I just was aware of the industry. So if you're going to work right. in an industry, any industry, like if you're right out of college and you get a job in the steel industry read about the business because you never know who you're going to interact with. Right. Yep. So Amen. be able to carry on a conversation about something that's outside of your little purview. So chatting with him, uh, he's like, Oh, what do you do? I was like, and I had my bit, I had, because it was Volkswagen group, I actually had like three business cards mm -hmm. and I had a business card that said Bentley financial services on it. So of course, if I'm talking to the Aston Martin guy, let me get in that. Heck card. yeah. Yeah. 
So I did. And uh, he's like, oh, he's like, we're looking, we need to establish our financial side of our business. You know, would you be interested in, and he did, it wasn't right then, in fairness, it was just like a polite talk. And then I think he emailed me out of the blue, like six months later, hey, we need some help on the finance side. You know, would you be willing to, to talk? And whenever in your career, somebody says, hey, do you want to talk? You say yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we met, we, it was around the time of the New York auto show, which I was going to anyway, and, you know, met him at a, like had lunch and chatted and he was, you know, explain to me what you do and tell me what you do. And so within like a week, they flew me to England to meet with the, pre, you know, the, the president of Aston Martin. Wow. And I will say, here's a, a, a woman mistake that I made. He, they said, we'd like you to be the global head of finance for the, for, for the, like the, that side of finance, like not the CFO, like the finance right. that would set up like the, the finance that you'd need for the dealers. Sure. Like F and I almost. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. a global F and I. And, uh, I was like, I'm, I don't know that I'm qualified for that. <laughs> a guy would have said yes. He would have said, and, uh, yeah, I'm a vet. Absolutely. Yeah, I could do it. Yeah. 200%. He would have been measuring the corner office for the for the new curtains. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. No, but I did the typical woman thing, which mm-hmm. is I'm not qualified for that. No. And in fairness, they said, okay, well, how about this job? And I said, sure. The reality is, could I have done the other job? Oh God, yes, I could. Yeah. And yeah. Women, and it's funny, I didn't, I didn't know in that moment that I made that typical woman mistake. It wasn't until like a few months later, six months later, I was talking to a woman who, a woman who worked at Chase Automotive Finance, mm-hmm. right? That this great lady called Gail Timmerman, who wound up being like, there's all these people that are kind of like these little in the ether, like mentors, peer to peer mentors, whatever. There's yeah. people that you, oh, sure. up, like, yeah. nice, you have a coffee with and they kind of give you that, those little pearls of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. told her about that conversation. She's like, well, she's like, well, isn't that a typical female answer? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> she's like, a guy would have just said yes and taken the job. Right. Like, oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It do you think we do that? We do yeah. it. We hold ourselves. We listen, and I always say this. Listen, women are not a minority. We're fifty-one percent of the population. Right. That's right. Right. The only people who keep women back are themselves. Do mm-hmm. you think, especially now with with you know where we're at with twenty twenty one, do you think that it's because that that just just brash honesty that I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. That that brash honesty that comes out um, has finally kind of made its way through all the chaff of the guys who have said, well, of course I can do that job, Roger. And then ended up falling flat on their face because people like Beth said, you know what? I, I love it. I'm just not qualified, but now it's, there's been time, there's been progress. And that's why we're beginning to see more women take the helm of companies and more women step into the forefront. It's because it's just it's, worked its way through. If you look at Fortune 500 companies, there are so what's interesting is there are a lot of women CEOs, not a lot, yeah. but there mm-hmm. are women uh, CEOs, some high profile some. women. Mm-hmm. Where there are women lacking, so if you're looking at that pyramid, there are women lacking in that top third. So you have a yeah. lot in the middle, and then you do have some visible women who kind of broke through, and they, they might be like, um, you know, statistical events. They're they're like the right. anomaly, right. and so they're great visually because I do think all of that helps because it helps the pipeline for people to see it, for girls to see it. Um, and the reason we all say like we ha- why you have to see examples, and you hear that all the time, and it's true. And with all due white men have always seen themselves so right. it's not no no uh it's no um 
insult or critique of a white man when we say those things, mm -hmm. you've never known any different. You've right. always exactly. seen yourself as the president yeah. of the United States. You've always yeah. seen yourself as a, a scientific leader or whatever, like name the role. You've always seen yourself as an astronaut. Um, and so you just had the luxury of always seeing yourself. So again, it's no insult or no discredit to anything that men have done. Right. But in those moments when we, I used to use the example, but I'm so dating myself when I use the example of Sally Ride. Yeah. When Sa Sally Ride became the first woman in space, first American woman in space. But right. when she was very visible, and there was all of this um, press around her, rightfully mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. girls started going to space camp. Yeah. Yep. My, my wife is a prime example of that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Did she she is, do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, she and, and she's from Texas, and you know, it, it was it, she's right in that wave of she was a kid when you know Sally was really gaining some you know gaining some popularity, and it was like, well, mm -hmm. yeah, of course you can go to space camp. You know, why right. it's 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 not limited to just guys. It's just right. people. Girls didn't apply before. Didn't yeah. think it was possible. Didn't think it was for them. And thank God Sally Ride did that, where mm -hmm. she saw it and she's like, well, why not me? It's funny because somebody asked me this the other day. They're like, well, why did you think you could start an IndyCar team? I'm like, why wouldn't I be able to? Exactly. It's Good it's point. this weird thing. Like it didn't occur to me. And, and several of these steps along the way, like, okay, I, I have this job at a, a car dealership and like, okay, now I'm going to get a corporate job in finance for Volkswagen. Well, why did you think you could do that? Well, it didn't occur to me that I couldn't do that. And then exactly. I, I moved to Aston Martin in a completely different role. Well, why did you, it didn't occur to me that I couldn't. And, and maybe that's just my own um, uh, naivete. Right. <laughs> no, it's, it's having confidence to know you can do whatever, you know, not based on your gender, but yeah, just who let's you give are it a go. and your knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try yeah. it. And, and, and again, I, because of having those 10,000 hours of having read, you know, been knowing every card that's on the road for, right. since I'm five years old, allowed oh, yeah. me that comfort level. I remember, it's funny, I think of these little things in fits and starts, but I get hired eventually. So I leave Aston Martin. I then get, I then meet Ralph Gilles, who at the time was the CEO of Dodge when I first met him. And he's of course doing the head of design for us at the time mm -hmm. for FC. Now he's global head of design. Viper. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Viper. Big deal. Yeah. Um, he's always a big deal, but I mean, he's yeah. even a bigger deal, but um, I met Ralph Gilles also around the New York auto show at an industry event. I was working for Aston Martin. My name tag, of course, said my name and Aston Martin. And as a designer, of course, he's like, oh, my God, I love Aston Martin. I said, of course you do. You're a designer because let's be honest, they're the prettiest. True. And I asked him, you know, have you ever driven one? And he said, no. And I said, OK, well, the next time I'm in Detroit, which is probably going to be like in, a, in two months, we're, we were launching a new car at that point. I said, I'll give you a call. I'd love for you to come down to the dealership in the Detroit area and we'll have you drive it. And that's the thing that happens. It's like a professional courtesy that we sure. do behind the scenes because um, as a designer, as an engineer, yeah, check it out, you know? And I need and to get on that level where it's extended to me because it never has been, but you know, Hey, it's okay. It's all who, you know, right. No, right. Um, so he did. So we, so we did, it was like two months later and um, it was a Saturday. So it'd be kind of quiet. And I hosted him at this dealership where I, I was to be there to, for like a, a customer event that was going to happen that night, but I'd flown in that morning. So I arranged it for, for Ralph to come by and I spent like two hours with him talking about the, um, 
you know, the, the, the layout of the dealership, which is beautiful. And we're talking about the cars. So like all the cars in the line and, and it was just like car guy to car guy. So from there, this relationship starts where like a few months later, he texts me. He's like, hey, I want to pick your brain about something. And believe me, I do have those moments of like, okay, CEO of Dodge, like texting me to pick my, like, believe me, because I'm still that kid, you know, as a fan or just like a, a, a complete geek. Right, right. And those moments aren't lost on me. Right, yes. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm, just, but it's, but it's only certain industries. Automotive is one, and and Ellen can vouch for this. She is the gearhead. She's the racehead. I'm yeah. more of of the shtick guy. But okay. there there are oh, certain no. cars. He knows more than he he thinks he does. Please, you okay. can, if if you see my giant head, you'll understand that it's just a vapid <laughs> empty space. Um, there are there are some vehicles out there, some industries, and some manufacturers that I'm just I just fanboy over. Aston sure. Martin's one. Dodge yeah. is another. Is um, it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I really fanned Ram? out over Dodge. I, yes. I, I know they got cool sports cars, but I don't know. I've never fanned out over Dodge. I always did. Well, the Viper. That, that's why I was like, when I saw Best uh, Name come up, I was ugly. like, what do you I would say, ugly? like, I, I love the Gen 5 Viper. I like a Gen 2 as well, but the Gen 5 Viper, Gen 5. which I was fully immersed in and integrated in and, and worked to launch, um, mm-hmm. I love that car. It's a beautiful car. It's beautifully built the materials, um, it's a proper car. And you know what's funny about it? And I, I didn't realize this until I worked there, little, two little facts that are kind of cool. A Viper looks like a big car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's shorter than a 911. Yeah, it is. It visually, it's, I think it's a 911 is it taller. Right. Yeah. So it tricks your eye. Yeah. A Viper is actually smaller than like in pictures. And when you see it, but when you actually get up to a Viper, a Viper is actually small. It's just because it's got the long nose at the mm-hmm. point. Yeah. I was going to say the long, long nose makes it look big. Yeah. But it's totally. such it's a gorgeous car. shorter. But the other oh. thing that's kind of cool is they're hand built. They're, I mean, they're not anymore. They're not built anymore, but they were hand built. Right. <laughs> it takes longer to paint a Viper than it does to build a Porsche 911 or a Corvette. It takes longer to paint a Viper. Holy smokes. That's, they're no, that's so handmade. Yeah, I was going to say because of the hand. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It's legit. It's a legit car. I mean, it's, but like anything, it's got tons of torque. It's not mm-hmm. for the faint of heart. No. Mm-hmm. It comes with three pedals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lisa. it's, it, 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 it was for me because I got to, drive them when i was down in texas I, but only for the you know the radio station promos because we had one as a station vehicle um mm-hmm. i was oh my oh i was great i loved it are you kidding me i got so yeah. many tickets in that thing it was ridiculous they fired me twice from that radio station it nice. was beautiful did you burn your calves on the side exhaust no i didn't no, I didn't. You, you know, it's, it's funny, funny when there's quirky things to cars that you know about, right? It's it's funny you mentioned that because we had a program director who refused to drive it because every time, like two or three times, he would burn his freaking he'd burn 100%, his legs. 100%. <laughs> Don't wear shorts and get oh, out and not great. know that that's there. Right. Oh, that's great that you brought that up. Yeah. So, so here we are, 2021. And you own your own female race team. You're going to run the 105th running of the Indy 500 uh, with Simone. T- tell me, how did this come about? Because I-, I remember 2016. Yep. And I remember 2010 when she was Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Um, and then, so, so tell me, take me back to 16, what happened, and now why 21? 16, at the 11th hour, honestly, it was just a logistics issue with equipment. Um, and there uh so yeah we had had a driver had money had had sponsors had um had an engine 
there was a shortage of chassis and I had a deal mm. with it with a team that we were going to run with and uh, we were going to make the big announcement at Long Beach, which is uh, middle of April. Yeah. And um, literally like had a press conference scheduled the whole nine. And uh, two days before the term, the, the team that I was working with, they tried to change the terms of the deal. And it was uh, it was not. Uh, uh, agreeable to me so i we i walked away and i said thanks but no we're gonna we're gonna take our things and go but then that set set me on a path for the next okay now i've got seven weeks how do i find another team another chassis and and you know what do i do in fairness this happens um you know this is an unfortunate thing that can happen in racing. It wasn't unique to me. It had nothing to do with the fact that it was a lady team, nothing. I mean, in theory, it kind of did because the, the person that tried to change the terms of the deal was like, well, you know, I don't know if this is the first race. I mean, it was, it turned out behind the scenes, he thought he was going to get some more money from somewhere else um, instead of asking me for more money because I had more money, but he didn't know that. You know, you always have more in your back pocket if you're right. the right way. <laughs> like any negotiation, but he didn't even give me the opportunity to, you know, so it was, it was unfortunate. So anyway, it sets, sets me off on this path of, okay, seven weeks, I need to now regroup and find another partner and another car. So it was just a mad dash and ultimately found a car, but with like literally three weeks to go before we had to get on, on, mm. on the grid. Um, it was just a timing issue. Can we get the parts? Can we get ready? And ultimately these are those decisions that fall rest on a team owner of, mm. uh, it wasn't safe. It wasn't right. right. Um, we weren't sure that we were going to be able to get the parts in time. I'm not going to put any driver in anything that isn't race worthy. Right. Right. So I, I was in Indianapolis, like physically in a shop, looking at this last car that was in pieces, which is what you're, even if you're getting it, you're going to put, take it apart anyway. So that's not unusual, but figuring out, okay, is, is this workable? I had people there looking at it with me. Cause I'm so, I'm, I have no business inspecting a car. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm running the program, the business, whatever. I'm not, I, you know what? I'm going, not a car chief. Going back to the finance thing. I, I'm going to yeah. go ahead and say, I don't believe that for one second. <laughs> I mean, I learned. I, I can bet learn. you could. I bet you right. could. I bet you get inspected better than most. Okay, please continue. Listen, I am no stranger to. I mean, I can, I can, I can fix stuff around the house. Believe me, I'm a hand. Right, um, right. And if they taught me, oh God, I would be, I, I would be so over the wall doing anything if they, if I, if, if I had, you know, give me a couple of months to teach me, I'll learn it. Right. Um, and I'd love to. Yep. Um, with that said. I'm sitting there. Okay. This is not right. And so I make, I, I pull the plug and um, I had to get in the car and drive back to Detroit, which is about a five hour drive. And so I was, you know, alone with my thoughts. And I knew that the decision was going to be that to pull the plug and, you know, have to put out that press release. Right. And I knew that I was going to wear it, you know, and that's fine. That's what happens. And I had a lot of stuff going on, like what behind the scenes uh, newsflash, which nobody knew my dad was in, in palliative care about oh. to transition to hospice care. Uh, my mom had died a couple of years before I'm the sole caregiver of my dad, oh, um, man. you know? And so like, there's all these other things that were swirling, which sure. have nothing to do with anything, but you know, now I can reveal that something. everyone yeah. close to me knew. Yeah. It's um, all impactful. Yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. And so, you know, the, the takeaway there is listen, everybody can add, have any comment they want on the little chat, whatever thing, the comments under any news story, God bless. And, and, and please continue to do that because that obviously gives you joy, mm -hmm. um, but you don't know, <laughs> you know, you don't know what goes into putting a car on the grid. You don't know what you, you don't know all the factors. You don't know 
what contracts were in place, what contracts at the 11th hour changed. Mm -hmm. um, you don't know how easy it is to get an engine contract from HPD or Chevy, you know? I had both of them. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and in, in that mad dash between Long Beach and the 500, if you knew who within the IndyCar paddock was helping me, um, were there some people who could have helped more? Sure. Absolutely. But were there some who went out of their way and absolutely helped? Yes. The, those people who were, were trying to help, Roger Penske, Tim Sindrick, uh, Rob Dyson, who is a longtime racing guy who stepped up, Paul Fanner from Racer Magazine, uh, Marshall Pruitt, who's a journalist, just like because like they have their ear to the ground, like, hey, we think there's a car here. We think there's this. We, we think there's that. So... Um, Mike Hull from from Ganassi. Uh, I had a conversation with J.F. Thorman from Andretti and Michael Andretti. Everybody, I happen to be um, in a wonderful position that these are people that I've known for years and have worked with or known in different capacities. So when I needed to call in a favor or call for advice, they were all there. That's and awesome. so you can, people from the outside might've thought I was a rookie and didn't know what I was doing. And that was not the case. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it, it's, it sounds like not only is that not the case, but the fact that Roger's involved this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you got Simone. Yeah. There, Simone there, there's, that's true. Yeah. I mean, she's the real deal. That's huge. There, that's not a luck thing you know, given what happened in 2016, that's a people knew people inside the industry had respect and they knew, and they were like, right. you know what, we're going to put some chips on Beth and see what's going to happen in 21. Right. Right. And, and in fairness, Simona. So when I talked to Roger, so I've, I've known Roger for years. I actually met him when I worked for Aston Martin because he was one of my dealers. Oh, okay. What? Yes. Did what? So Aston, what uh, so, if he, <laughs> if, if he owned a V12 Vanquish, I'm going to hate him even that much more. He probably does. Oh. He has. He owns. Yeah, he owned a lot of cars. So. He owns I everything. Mean, he probably owns all the cars, right? Uh, yes, so, yeah, he does. Yeah, he has a he has collection. Had quite so a many dealerships. He's over 100 dealerships around the world. Um, yeah. But at, when I worked for Aston Martin, he had three Aston Martin dealerships in the United States. Wow. Um, Tyson's Corner, Virginia, which is Washington D.C., yep. Scottsdale, and San Diego. He has since uh, sold two of them, so he still has Scottsdale. Mm -hmm. But I used to call on the dealership in in the D.C. area, and Roger will like to tell this story. But our first interaction ever, I yelled at him on the phone. Nice. Nice. I oh, love it. You go, girl. <laughs> and I like to say that, and he likes to say that the reality is I didn't yell at him. I just might have been a bit stern. <laughs> you were being and real. Well, what, what guy is ever actually going to admit that a lady yelled at him? I mean, oh, come we, on. we yelled back and forth. And it was funny, too, because even the other day, we were uh, we were uh, traveling down to Indianapolis for the press conference. Mm -hmm. And this is shows you like how his mind works. So... The reason we got into an argument when he was a dealer was having something to do with a, a, a violation of the dealer agreement. And so we had to have this, this phone call. And I was actually uh, having the conversation. I was in at his dealership and I was meeting with his, like the, the area general manager. That was meant to be the meeting. Mm -hmm. And just as I'm walking in for the meeting with him, this guy says said to me, uh, Roger's gonna be joining us via phone call. And I was like, Roger, like I'd never met him. Oh. And of course he's like my uh, business hero. I'm thinking, oh sure, yeah, not a problem. Like just totally faking it, like keep cool. Right. And right. 
we he calls in and it's on speakerphone like in, you know like this old speakerphones yeah yeah right so the the guy and I are sitting across you know the table from each table. other and here's this phone in the middle with this disembodied voice and it's Roger like hey hello Beth Roger Penske and he just launches into like listen da 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 this is why we did this and why we did that and I was like well but this is why and I and I just like and it was just like holding the point and give and take and, yeah right. absolutely and yeah defending it was like how's this <laughs> it was just like a business um you know yeah, disagreement. Mm-hmm. Did you pull a look, kid? The real Roger Penske wouldn't come up with such a harebrained idea. I should have, right? Oh, that would have been awful. Is this really you? Right. you so uh-huh. we hang up the phone. So we go through the whole thing, and when we hang up the phone, because basically he said, like, listen, I'm just trying to do this. And I'm like, listen, I'm trying to protect a brand, and this is this, and this is that. And I didn't, you know, whatever. And so we hang up the phone. And it was that moment where, and, and the gentleman who I'm, who I'm sitting across from, I had just met him that day too, because I was mostly dealing with like the general manager of the store. And this has been elevated because it's been, an, it's escalated, right? But it was that moment where we hang up the phone and I just look at this guy and I like w- without any filter, I said to him, I go, I just raised my voice to Roger Penske. Like, right? Like, full on. I love it. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, he'll respect you for it. And love I said, it. really? And he goes, because you were right. Boom. Yeah, drop the hammer, drop the mic. I bet he absolutely would respect that. That's another reason why I think so many people have given you those shots and quote unquote, to taking those risks on you. Because right away, I'm kind of curious, Chris, how, you know, Beth, you've been involved in a lot of different automotive sides of the sport, uh, both motorsports and automotive. What made you want to go after IndyCar? You've had other connections Mm. and other sides of the sport. Why IndyCar? Because I love IndyCar, but I'm just. Yeah. So it's funny when I, uh, I was thinking about, so back in, when I was at Fiat Chrysler, the, because I had the SRT brand, I also had that job came with running all of motorsport and uh, again, the business of it. And and in fairness, the engineering stuff, uh, would feed up to the business side because it was always under marketing. So although yes, we had people, you know, that the, my colleagues who were on the engineering side, the budget still came out of, you know, it was, I happen to hold the budget. So that's why I had to kind of touch all of the different series and whatnot. But what we were always doing was evaluating different series because with the Fiat Chrysler group or now Stellantis, um, don't ask, I don't know. Um, (laughs) But you, because there were multiple brands, we would look at different racing series to figure out what, if we were in a different, if we were looking at a series, what brand would it fit best with? And there were times when IndyCar of course reached out to us uh, I looked at Formula E, I looked at IndyCar. So I did, I evaluated it uh, from you know, the business case of it. And I you know, traveled to IMS, I went to a few different IndyCar races in that role. And I'm basically an OEM coming in. Mm. And so of course you get the red carpet treatment and you, you know, you're at the 500 or I think I was there if it wasn't, if it was qualifying weekend maybe, it wasn't the race weekend. I think it was qualifying weekend or Indy GP. I can't remember the timing, but like I was, you know, in the pagoda suites and whatever because they're they're giving me wow. the dog and pony, but I'm evaluating his business. So I had kind of already been aware of IndyCart in that guys. Okay. And then when I was at FCA, I got to know um I just got to know more people in IndyCar paddock. I had a relationship with Michael Andretti because Ryan Hunter Ray was a driver of ours in the Viper. And that started a dialogue with Michael. And then we were talking to him about coming on, coming to uh, Dodge as a NASCAR team. 
That's a story mm-hmm. for another podcast. Um, <laughs> I heard some about that kind yes. of thing. So. Oh, we will have minutes. Pull up a chair and pour a cocktail. That's a story. <laughs> I bet so. I just can't see him in NASCAR. And he, I don't know why he'd want to go that route, but that's okay. I know, but he does. He does. He still does. So I got to know them. And then to the yeah. point where then they were also promoting a bunch of races. And we wound up getting involved with them with the Baltimore Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. And we wound up being a sponsor of that because Andretti was the promoter of that. And that was, a, a, a at the time, American Le Mans series, which is now IMSA, but ALMS and IndyCar race. So got to know a lot of the IndyCar. You know, again, I'm like, I'm kind of always around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then socially got to know some uh, most of the folks on the Ganassi team um, because of uh, somebody that I was dating at the time worked with the Ganassi mm-hmm. team. So I got to know them. I knew Andretti because of this NASCAR conversation and then the promotion stuff on the racing series uh, or race race events and then Penske I knew so I was sort of all they, they just kind of became this peer group um and so it just seemed like you know a, a logical next step I love IndyCar racing always have yeah. and then when the 500 idea came that came to me from um at the time the gentleman who was managing Catherine Legg is a guy called Adrian Sussman he manages drivers in F1 and IndyCar and when you are in the role of a head of motorsports for a car company every Mm. driver and driver manager Mm -hmm. reaches out to you because you hire drivers right right so um he i knew adrian um and he reached out to me for something unrelated and he's like hey can i run an idea by you because they had just signed Catherine leg and he said um what do you think about putting together like an all ladies team like not asking me for me to be involved but like running this idea by me like hey you're a woman in motorsport what do you think? I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like that, that'd be a great idea. I've um, been waiting on that. I mean, mm-hmm. it needed to be done a long time ago. They tried it back in the sixties. <laughs> that was exactly. mostly just an all girl pit crew though, but they didn't right. have drivers. Mm-hmm. Right. So. And then there was, all, and then it's funny cause you see these, these announcements. I will say, this is one thing that does kind of crack me up is when people are like, this is the first all woman this. And it's like three women driving yeah. in a sports car in IMSA. Like that's, yeah. first of all, that was done in 1966. <laughs> yeah. So like, like just Wikipedia, you can find it out. Um, and yeah. I don't like, and saying it's an all woman team when it's all women drivers, that's, that's a different nuance. And, and believe me, having mm-hmm. all women drivers lineup, absolutely. That's awesome. And I love to see that. And, and that's a fantastic thing for fans or whatever, but that's not an all woman team. Like mm-hmm. tell that to, yeah. you know, Jim, who's turning the wrench or driving the truck. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, and, and believe me, I'm not aspiring, like we're not, even my team is not gonna be all women for a while mm-hmm. um, because, yeah, and, that, and that's important to understand because I'm taking women from other series, I'm taking junior people and we're, we're, we're uh, it's like this ladder to get them up to speed. And so they're gonna be working with that seasoned veteran. Um, but to be honest, that's what every team does. Right. But yeah. I guess my, my big question is, why has it been so long? Like when Ellen told me, oh, yeah, no, she, yeah. You know, she's she's the first team owner, the first female team yeah. owner. I was like, really? I'm not entirely. I so the, the only the only nuance there was a team owner, a woman team owner in 1929. That won. Yeah. So it's, Grace, it's been Grace quite, quite a while. So that's why they're Maude, basically saying she's the first. Yeah. yeah. Maude yeah. Yeagle. 
But okay. she went yeah. by M.A. Yeagle because she, if she used her first name, you, it'd be a tip-off that she was a woman. So right. she did it yeah. secretly. Yeah, because she had to kind of hide it. So it wasn't really promoted because you couldn't, you couldn't. promote that back then. Wow. Not women, were, not women weren't allowed into the paddock in IndyCar until the 70s. Exactly. So she wasn't really known as the female owner. And there were other team owners because usually they owned the teams with their husbands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how she, they alluded with her. Yes. And so over the years, there have been other women team owners and certainly very, you know, high profile women, but they've either, they've usually owned it in partnership with their husbands or fathers or Mm -hmm. whereas, you know, um, I'm just me. Um, What's unique here is I'm a female team owner with a female driver. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a first. And then also being very forward about, so here's the funny thing that I will say. Well, and first female automotive and motorsports executive. So I was, yeah. Yeah. yeah at, so, that level, okay. at that level. I mean, yeah. there's at that level. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and, you and, can tip your hat about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there's not enough of that. I know. Own I know. It. it just, um, the one thing I will I'll say too, <laughs> that for all of us, and I even say this when I, when I talked to hiring engineers and mechanics, we did this the last round. I've done it even still. Cause I, I do a lot of stuff. We speak to schools and I'll grab an engineer or somebody. And I will say like to a person for the most part, especially it's one thing if you're a driver, cause you're used to being in front of the camera as it were, but the rest of us, we got where we are despite the fact that we're women, because I, it's not a photo shoot, mm. you know, like I didn't get it because no. there's mm-hmm. anything else like that. And so like, you know, and, and Simona will be the first one to tell you and rightfully so she's a driver. She happens to be a woman. Right. Right. You know? Right. And she's and a I, damn good driver too. And she's a yeah, fantastic very driver. talented one. She's a, see her factory, she's a factory driver for Porsche. Like you don't get that. Right. Unless you're, yeah. and they deploy her in any, you know, any series that they want to. So with yeah. that said, it's funny because we're, we're usually uncomfortable to point out the fact that we're women. Like we just want to do our job and maybe you'll notice that we are. And I do long for the time and it, hopefully it'll be soon. Like we're just a race team. But yeah. if you notice I get that, that but I feel women. like right now we're in a time where it needs to be pointed out because I've, I've been around the motorsports industry since, well, I grew up, you know, in the local track racing scene and that kind of thing. And then, you know, when I got into motorsports, there were women trying to get in because they had the diversity program in NASCAR. So I was actually, I worked for the diversity team for a little bit yeah. for one season and diversity was considered women. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's just the thing. And actually they're hanging on to that side of the diversity because they still don't have enough diversity <laughs> right right um outside right. of the women diversity yeah there's not a lot of diversity um, in the so diversity it's, yeah exactly there's exactly so um i was excited to see women coming up in the sport because you know being around that team i still saw a lot of the boys going you know a lot of the women that i knew that were on the team there was only one girl that was driving or one woman that was driving she was a girl she was young i always say girl um, i say girl about that my team at the time yeah she was a girl because she was only like 18 she was very young mm-hmm. and to me that was young because i was a lot older than that at that point um, right. <laughs> um and you know the guys gave her a real hard time they gave her the worst car out of the lot right out of all four of the cars that they had it was the worst car they had they made sure, you know, unfortunately she didn't do that well. Um, mm-hmm. And now she's marrying a driver. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you just, I don't know. They just, they treated her like she was diversified and they treated her more so diversified than anybody else in the paddock. 
And they, it was obvious that nobody really wanted her to climb the ladder. Right. So when I see a woman get to the top of that ladder, cause I have seen, I've seen women do pit crew mm-hmm. and they're starting to acknowledge that. Yeah. But, and I've seen women drivers now it's being more acknowledged on the drag racing side. And there's not a lot of. Yeah. Drag's uh, been good for a long time. Yeah. But it's still like IndyCar. I haven't seen it much. And mm-hmm. As far as owners, you know, there is, there's now um, a female, uh, the first African-American female team owner, um, which that, Where's that? You know, got a lot of press. Uh, yeah. NASCAR. That's a NASCAR. Uh, the, uh, hold on. The, 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 the Arca series. Right? Arca. No, Arca okay. series. Arca. Oh my God. I think God, they're going to try to get awesome. truck too, but they're starting in Arca. Oh, I love that. Beth, do you yeah. think that. Um... So there's just not enough of it. That's what I'm saying. That's why yeah. I'm like, too And this is it what, needs to be more. When I had the conversation with Roger, I said, listen, any of these things, you got to think this is a 20 year plan. Like, you know, it depends on what the goal is. And the goal, obviously, is we also want more people to watch the sport. And the way that you get more people to watch is for for more people to feel like it's for them. And exactly. And and you you are going to see an increase. And it's like, listen, no matter what, there was the Danica effect when Danica was an IndyCar and there was a point in the yeah. 500 where she led the 500 and I, and I was not there. And she got week. a lot of female viewers out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People have told me that like, if you could have heard the roar of the crowd in that moment, mm-hmm. even like the old salty fan, right? Cause there's that moment of like, wow, we've never seen this. And so you're just witnessing history. And there was this roar of the crowd and they said it was like lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And okay. When she went to NASCAR. So there were a lot of fair weather fans who were, I'm going to watch because of Danica. Okay, great. But then when she went to NASCAR, they went with her Mm -hmm. and they were still fair weather fans. But you know what? Here's the thing, Mm -hmm. the way that you're ever going to grow in these sports, whether whether in any of these racing is with the fair weather, the the diehard racing fan like you and me, I'm watching all 16 Mm -hmm. races on the NASCAR calendar, or I'm watching all 38 events, 36 events for the NASCAR calendar. I can't watch anymore. I'm watching all of them. So how much more are you getting out of me as a fan? I'm buying the t-shirt. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm listening to SiriusXM or whatever it is. The way that you grow is to get that person that maybe watches two races to watch four. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. Yep. The low hanging fruit, as we like yes. to say. And yep. Exactly. So, so Beth, do, do you feel like because of some of the press, because of what's happening here in 2021, I, I mean, it almost feels serendipitous. Do, do, do you think this is a changing of the guard finally? I do. I do. Um, I, I think it's a start. You know, I okay. think. Yeah, it's definitely I will a start. tell you this. Of anybody, um, I started having these conversations about this idea. And and again, what's different with, with mine, and I've, I've said all along, it's about having all the members of the team being represented. So, you know, mm-hmm. the, the competition side and the business side, because all of yes. those are integral. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the person who is, you know, running competition for a team and the person that's running com- the commercial side, if they win the championship, they both get the ring. Because yep. Yep. You know, that's right. It's an ecosystem and anyone in motorsports knows that and knows that value. So I wanted to lift the veil a yes. little bit on that because for that fan to say like, okay, this isn't interesting to me, or this isn't even where my strengths are, but this side is great. There's a place for you there. You know, there's uh, 25 people on a team uh, or whatever, when you then start looking at all these layers. Okay. So that's part one. Mm-hmm. So 
that that is what I've, I've been talking about since 2015 about the idea of showing all those roles and that there's places for women in all of those roles yep. and that it's it's the whole team so it's not just the driver and again trying to get the story about more than the driver because not everybody aspires to be a driver and, mm-hmm. and if, if they don't connect with that part of the story then okay but there's something else here so i've been having this conversation about gender diversity in motorsports mm-hmm. a, a thousand times with so many different people in different facets series car mm-hmm. companies suppliers um partners that could sponsor probably more than anybody for the right. past six years i bet has and it I gotten better has, has it gotten better over the past year and I will tell you, in the very beginning, I think I was, I think I was a little too early. But okay. in the beginning, because I'd have these conversations, because look, look at somebody like, you know, General Motors. General Motors mm-hmm. is recruiting people right out of college, right. new degrees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to plant the seed of where you need to get really good mechanical engineers, people that were going into engineering over the past few years, uh, for the past ten years, you're having a shift of like people that wanted to go into tech was like becoming a programmer or like creating an app. Right. It wasn't people like going into civil engineering and learning how to build a bridge. Right. Right. And that conversation has to start younger. You can affect a kid's trajectory from 10 years old to 12 years old. That's where the magic happens is 10 to 12. Oh yeah. So I said, okay, well, if you're general motors, you need to start talking here and and you got to play the long game. And it used to be that companies were, uh, uh, you know, wouldn't do that because they're measuring ROI. Like they, they, they're investing on the college tour because Mm -hmm. they're like, I'm going to talk to these college students and then I can see how many people I hire and there's an easy ROI. Way too late by then. Way too late. Correct. Yeah. So in fairness, that conversation has been happening more broadly and everybody realizing, okay, it takes a village. Boeing needs to invest in 10 year olds. General Mm -hmm. Motors needs to invest and Microsoft needs to invest. And ultimately Mm -hmm. they'll all scatter, but it's, but it's the rising high tide lifts all boats idea. And now companies are better about that, that investment and realizing there's not direct ROI, Mm -hmm. but don't worry, it will be. And so that's happened over these couple of years. So having this conversation about why STEM education matters and why it matters for girls, Mm -hmm. that conversation's a lot shorter now. It wasn't in 2015. So I've actually seen that change. Um, So I, so I know I can understand why everybody's cynical of thinking that this Mm -hmm. is like just a thing and whatever, but uh, there's two things. I can tell you that the the tenor has changed in the country and in the dialogue about STEM. It's in your face. Believe me, mm-hmm. I'm tired of all these gender diversity conversations. Right. Oh yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, so over it. I'm ready for I'm ready for people to just be judged on character and actions as opposed to just anything else. Let's yeah. just not judge. Let's I'm, just I'm be together. Just yeah. get on with yeah. it. And I'm and, and yeah. there's this great quote that that somebody else said who this engineer that works for this company uh Forcia, which is uh, a supplier in the automotive business and i forget her name it's elizabeth i forget her last name but she's like i'm so tired of the conversation of diversity i'm leaning in so far i'm asleep at the table <laughs> and yes. it's so true yes. like, wow. honestly, right. yes. i wanted to write a counterpoint to that book lean in like with all due to cheryl sandberg yeah women do not need to lean in we have been working hard, and I say this to teachers because I speak to schools all the time, and I speak to educators all the time, and I'll say to them, high school teachers, let me ask you, in your science class, who, who has better grades, the girls or the boys? To a person, the girls, girls have better grades. Yeah. 
because we work mm-hmm. our asses off. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So this is my yeah. point. It's not about us leaning in. It's about you guys. It's not about leaning in or or having take. I don't want to take your seat at the table. I want a longer table. No. Yeah. So yep. it's not about yes. us working I just want to be part of the table. So yeah. I want to write a counterpoint to Shell Sandberg that it's not about lean in. It's not called lean in. It's called scooch over. Love it. Yeah. Please do. Oh, dear Lord, please do. So, and and that brings me to, you know, one of our final questions because your career is, is phenomenal. I hope that people at this podcast will, will go look it up, go read your bio. What is your advice for other ladies with the same dreams or just people in general with the same dreams? Yeah. People, right. Um, work hard. Uh, build your network and by what you're, and I remember reading a business case in business school about this. I should find out, I should go, I have all my cases. I should go look to find exactly the one because it always resonated with me. And this is back in the olden days when people had Rolodexes, but that idea (laughs) when you meet people, remember who they are, remember something about them so that when you cross paths again, and it's a genuine authentic building of the network. It's not like, hey, this isn't about like using people. Because if you're building a network, you're also a part of their network and help people out when they need help or give them advice. But the, you know, when Roger Penske bought Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar and then announced the race for equality and change, I emailed him and he emailed me back five minutes later. Wow. Why? It's because I yelled at him in 2007. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, he emailed you right back. That's exactly. what I'm impressed with because that never happens. <laughs> right. And it's because we won a NASCAR championship together in 2012. And it's because yeah. he actually, when I was at FCA, he actually asked me, um, he wanted to hire me to work on his dealer side. of it. So I'm at Fiat Chrysler. Mm-hmm. We've won the championship. And it was, I think it was in 13. He called me and he's like, you know, can I, yeah, I want to talk to you about a job. I was like, okay. So I go to his office, you know, out of courtesy, at, as you would. Because mm-hmm. of course you're going to do that. Yeah, right, and he right, actually right. wanted to hire me uh, on his dealer side of the business to run like his Porsche Audi business. And mm-hmm. I thought about it. I mean, it was like a couple days back and forth of like, you know, talking about like salary and what the job, and I knew what the job entailed. Cause in theory, like I, I dealt with that kind of person in my other, like I knew what the role was. Cause I knew somebody that was in that role that covered the Aston Martin business, right? Like the liaison. And I thought about it for a couple of days, but I was only at FCA at that point for like a year and a half, two years. And we were putting some things in place. And I called Roger back and I said, I am, I'm so honored that for the offer and I, and I thank you for the opportunity, but I feel like I owe this job more seat time because I've just built this whole strategy and I really want to roll it out and see it come to fruition. And yeah. I feel like, you know, I relocated for this job here and, and FCA relocated me. And I, I feel like I owe this job some more time. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, I completely respect that. And I would want someone to do the same for me. He yeah. said, the door is always open. That's and it was awesome. funny because I remember telling that story to a friend like a few months later and they're like, you turned down a, you said no to Roger Penske. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm not an only, idiot. not only did nah, you turn him you down, did the right thing. you yelled it at him. It is hard to turn that down. And turned him down. Correct. Yeah. Right. Like it sounds worse when you say it, Chris. <laughs> Most things do, but it's <laughs> a beautiful yeah, thing. Say, everything sounds worse when Chris brings it up. <laughs> but, but Beth, I, I think that is what has just instilled the metal in you. And I think that's what's going to yeah. also just that's clear that I'm path. Here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what's going to clear the path and make you a huge success, which you already are. Yeah. And I can't wait to 
to see even more, especially in May with the Indy 500. Yes. And the they good better news be in is, May. They better not move it. They're not going to move it, are they? No. Well, they're trying not to. But I will uh, say they, they would move it if it means no fans, I bet. Yeah. I would bet because, I mean, you have to have fans. Yeah, you have to. So you everybody, really please go get your vaccine. Let's let's not speak right. that into existence. We'll just leave that out of the universe for now. Right. <laughs> it's always right. fun on my birthday weekend, and it's always the one thing I want to do is watch the Oh, the my Indian, God, that's yes. And this year it wasn't, so I was like, right. this sucks. August. <laughs> now what? Oh. Oh, right. God, what no. do I do? August. No. I know. No. It was weird. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And I felt so bad because, obviously, Roger and the team there – you know, the whole crew that works at IMS, they, they did so much work. You, I mean, it, you're, there's so many things that they've done that you've seen because they, they showed on TV, but I, I was yeah. lucky enough to see it in person. And all they want is for fans to see it, right? That's why they're exactly. doing it. Exactly. Yeah. It's no fun if the fans can't be there. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know I've what? I wanted to go. I've never got to go in person. Someday. You stop, stop speaking no, it into someday. existence. Ellen, stop someday. it. No, I want to go it. to the Indy 500, Stop Chris. it. You got to go. Stop it. Go. Stop. Go. Yes. Oh, yeah. We're going, and it's going to be in May. Stop speaking a change into existence before I, <laughs> before I bury some chicken bones in the front yard. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's got to be intention. You've read the secret. It's intention. Exactly. Exactly. I'm right, speaking exactly. it to existence. Yeah. Beth, thank you so much. Now, thank if, you if so anybody much. wanted to find out more about you know Beth Peretta, about Peretta Autosports, about all about everything that you're doing, where's the best place for them to go find cool. that information? Well, we know we have a shiny new website. Ooh, it's that's Peretta right. It's beautiful. Oh, PerettaAutosport.com. We have we have the Twitters. We have the Instagrams. We have the LinkedIn's and nice. the Facebooks. Do you have the chat snaps? We have the chat snaps and the yes. TikToks. talks. No, yes. we have none of those. We have I, none I, of those. I have um, not done the talk tips. People tell me I need to do it. I haven't been on the talk tip either. But I will I say this either. about- I don't want to make a video. <laughs> it's too many things. And let me tell you this. Yes. I loathe social media. I, I, I like Twitter. Okay. I know everybody has an opinion. I like Twitter because I like the news feed. And I love like during a race. I love- um, you know, when you're on you lane, all the teams. it's useful because you get updates, yeah. like, especially when like in mm-hmm. sports car, which I, I love sports car racing. It, it's, it's my equal love to IndyCar. Uh, mm-hmm. Like when you're in an, in an endurance race and, you know, you can see kind of what the update is of the team and the drivers. It's, it's really mm-hmm. an invaluable tool. So I, I do appreciate Twitter for that, but the rest mm-hmm. of the social medias, Oh, it's a necessary evil. It is a necessary that, evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, mm-hmm. if I'm not active on it and you don't see a ton don't blame me. It's because I hate it. And trust me, I'm right there with you. Well, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait to talk to you again. Please let us talk to you because we have so many other conversations, uh, some for the podcast, some not for the podcast. I right, think. exactly. <laughs> some for a cocktail. Yeah, I hear yes, you. Absolutely. Beth, thank, thank you so you, Beth, much for, for joining us. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. So that was our new friend, Beth Peretta. I, look, I'm going to go ahead and say on record, she not only told Roger Penske no, she yelled at Roger Penske. I just want to state that again because that's huge. Did you imagine? Hello? (laughs) Did I lose you? Did I lose you? Are you you blown away by Beth? You can't talk? (laughs) I can't talk. No, I'm still here. You can't hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, I got you. Okay. I don't know what happened. Sorry. Um. No, I mean, can you imagine yelling at Roger Penske? Because I can't. I can't even imagine her having the chance to yell at. I mean, that that story. She is so packed full of not only energy and expertise, but so many great stories. Um, we absolutely have to get her back 
on the show again. So Beth, thank you again for joining us this week. Um, I can't wait to see what happens in May, which it's, it's going to be May. Don't you dare say anything different. Um, it's not, it's, it's going to be May. It's, 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 it's going to be May. It's going to be May. With the uh, Indy 500. And I, I look forward to seeing Simone lift the trophy in winter circle right there. Um, oh, that would be amazing. How, how great would that be? Oh um, that'd be incredible. In fact, if we're just going to say it right now, people, when Beth and Simone win the Super, win the Super Bowl, really, Ellen, <laughs> win, win the Indy 500. The Super Bowl <laughs> of racing. Super Bowl's on our break. That's right, the Super Bowl of Indy car racing. Then we're going to get them back on here. Yes. In fact, we'll get both Beth and Simone. Love it. So, we'll uh, you know what? And, and uh, you know, speaking of, you know, thank you guys for being patient with it, with us as, as we kick the podcast back off in 2021. Um, we got some exciting stuff coming up, don't we? We got maybe a little, maybe a little change coming. That's right. Stay tuned, people, because we might have a little bit of extra, extra coming on here pretty soon. Nothing Especially like, and, and let me tell you, nothing like, uh, you know, getting in the wintertime, getting that extra on your plate help because of sweater weather. <laughs> That's right. It's sweater weather. So, you know, it's, it's going to be, we're going to have some real exciting things come up for the podcast this year. So thank y'all for being patient with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're excited that we've already got one special guest. We're going to have a lot more cool guests, but we're also going to be doing some extras with the podcast this year. So stay tuned. Yes. It's going to be a good 2021 because 2020 sucked. The podcast right. didn't the year, the year itself did. The uh, year if, did. <laughs> if you or someone that you know would like to be featured on this podcast, please be sure to hit us up at racingjunk.com. For little E, this is Chris Young. Thank you for joining us here on Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. Please be safe, treat each other well, and we will see you next time. Hey, what's up? It's Chris Young for Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. Just want to add something to this podcast. Hopefully, you enjoyed Beth's interview. Uh, We certainly did. And since Little E won the bet and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did win the Super Bowl, and I was wrong, I'm going to say it right here that she was right. I was wrong. But notice little E's not here because I would never admit that to her face. Please have yourself a safe and wonderful time. We'll look forward to catching you next time here on Behind the Wheel at RacingJunk.com. Bye.